This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So, you know, what a what an amazing week, and I don't mean amazing like great, uh, you know, just what an amazing week. I was reading something and they said, you know, 90 days ago, this this word Corona wasn't even outside of, you know, the beer, obviously, but it obviously wasn't even in the in our language 90 days ago. And yet it feels like it's hit for some of us with a tsunami like force and how rapidly those changes have been and how challenging so much of that is. So today, you know, we're going to offer some words and it's, 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 I want to say it's, it's not words to explain it all or to make it all okay. It's, it's words that I think we need as we start to move through this together. Words I think we need, I think that God would have us think about as we move through this together. I want to start out just with, first off, just just acknowledging the immense pain, number one, and the immense uncertainty as well. I know we have folks, for example, who are watching us in the Seattle area, an area that's been hit much harder than here. And there's there's pain and uncertainty, and we want to acknowledge that and and be clear that 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 is part of it and and our hearts and our prayers and our peace, and our presence, all those things. You know, I certainly hope you folks who are watching online from areas that are incredibly hard hit can feel that and can understand that. And secondly, is getting clear about what we can speak to and what we can do, what we can speak to and what we can do. So I, I want to talk just, just kind of like big picture stuff with this and, and, you know, and then go into some more specifics. You know, a basic part, as we understand new church Christianity, is this. We all, within our hearts, have an inmost. We have this part that's connected to heaven. That's literally connected to angels. And we have all this other stuff that gets in the way, the shadows, the fears, the worries, the concerns. If you were all here in the audience, I'd be going, could I get an amen on that? There we go. It, it, it's what happens. It's, it's the way life is. And so, so this core, this inmost, is the seat of our best intentions. It's, it's, it's where God speaks to us through what we really want to do with our lives. And then outside of that is all the fears, the worries, the concerns. And, and those places are completely legitimate. It's not like they're bad or evil. Uh, they're just part of life too. You know, created light, created darkness. And in those darker places, that's where a lot of the time sort of more compulsive behavior is. And especially when we think of it times like this around fear. And there's always with both of those, that call, and I said this a couple weeks ago when we were joined by Nora McInerney, there's always this call to with. There's always this call to, to how do we navigate these things with each other. Not against each other, not blaming each other, but with each other. That's so incredibly, critically important. Emmanuel, God with us. We don't in the new church believe that God kind of sends these things to teach us a test or to, to see how we do. That, that, that's, that's kind of nutty. What we do believe is that life is imperfect. And 
our job as best we can is to live through those imperfections, knowing that God lives there too and walks with us through those as well. And yes, my friends, this is a little bit of an aside. There is the mystery as to why evil, why disease, why these things. But as one author said, there's a far greater mystery, which is the mystery of love, of care, of connection. And that's the mystery we're going to live into. I think times like this, we get caught between our new reality and our imagined freedom. There is a new reality that we've dealt with over the last 90 days. I mean, we're living in a new reality. And it comes right up against our idea of an imagined freedom. I think of times like this. It's, it's where we shift from, from being the author of our own book to being a witness. Understanding there's lots of things that we don't write. And so what can we do given that basic tension? Well, a core one, I think, is just this idea. Disease versus dis-ease. We have this disease, this virus we're working with as a country, as community, as families. And, and then we have this dis-ease. This unease. We can't do a whole lot over here on the medical side of things. But as a church, we can do a whole lot over here in terms of how do we hold the dis-ease that these times create. I remember as a little boy, you know, I grew up in the, in the middle of nowhere, well before computer stuff. Some of the, the folks who are my age in the audience will remember this. And you remember what, what you used to do when there was a big storm, like a tornado coming or something, or, or, or a big thunderstorm? We hunkered down and you got the radio. That's what we're trying to be as a church, is a radio, a homing signal doing as best we can, as God gives us to see it, to trying to to bring us back again, as I've said a number of times already, back to the better angels of our nature. In the new church, and I love this phrase, folks, is what we refer to as return to firsts. What are those firsts of the human condition? The best intentions of our heart. And how do we find ways, even when the fear and the worry can sometimes feel very appropriately paralyzing, do the best we can to come back to that? That's what we're going to try to do over these next few weeks. So I do want to give a chance for us to like express what those fears might be. Just so we get a chance to hear it, so that you understand we all share the same fears, many of the same fears. So what we're going to do is we're going to have time here. What is, where is fear showing up for you right now? And I'd ask you to go ahead and, and text me. Like, what are, where is fear showing up for you right now? Where is the area for you that's, that's really a current challenge? And as you're looking at that, what's the fear for you right now? And you're taking 30 seconds to, you know, think about it, talk about it. 
feel free to text me. And also there's a, there's a chat room going on. I have the chat room right here open on my computer. And you're more than welcome to throw that right in the chat window. John and Karin will, will, are facilitating a wonderful conversation there. And just think, you know, where is fear showing up for you right now? We're going to get to 60 seconds and take a look at that. So some of the ones, we have a lot of, a lot of them coming in here. Just going to give it another couple seconds here. Here are a few. Regular reading, uh, regularly reading coverage that scares and for, further isolates us. Fear is showing up that I won't be able to take care of the people that I love. Fear of my parents getting COVID-19 who are in several high-risk groups, not knowing what the future holds. My mother-in-law and friends with compromised systems. My biggest fear is Carrie because of his immune system. As self-employed, work activity is all but shut down. Fear for everyone, including the medical workers. Keeping my family safe when I have to work. Fear is showing up for me in not being myself, simply not being myself. My parents, empty grocery stores. Will my family be safe? Keeping my kids busy. I think a lot of moms would resonate with that. Letting my family down, not being able to provide. Fear of keeping my family and friends safe. That's from Izzy. Randy Gyllenhaal writes, fear of loved ones far away who I can't really be there for. Folks, all those fears are deeply real. You know, a lot of times with our fears, it's it's easy to kind of look at them and go like, well, you know, that just isn't true. Well, sometimes fears have an element of truth in them. Sometimes those things that we worry about are very legitimate. This is one of those times that we have to look at and we have to be willing to go, yeah, there is fear here too. It's interesting as well, thinking, you know, here we are coming up onto the Easter season in the not-too-distant future. The story of Easter, friends, is just rife with fear. Fear of the future, fear of connection, fear of loss, all those things, very true, very real. It's important for us to understand, you know, again, that there's there's so many different ways to handle the dis-ease, to handle the fear around these things. And I want to just share with you a list here from Soren Kierkegaard. It's not that this list is, is exhaustive or, um, you know, covers it all, but it's just it just gives you some ideas. So he said there's four ways. There's the flitters, those who skate above it all, refusing to touch the depths of it. There is no hope. The cravers, they seek to fill the hole with material goods, experience, drugs, alcohol. I know blah, blah, blah will fill the hole. Rage, can imagine what life could be. 
They're furious. They feel cheated. That is not the thing. I can crush the hole. And the final one. When we wake up, willing to become part of a bigger reality, embracing courage and gratitude to live fully, there is a hole and that God holds it tenderly. I think with these folks, it's, it's not about creating a typography that goes like, oh, I know they are a number one. I happen to be a number four. It's not it. It's about understanding we all are all those things. We all are all those reactions. And those reactions, in certain sense, are logical. They're part of the human condition. They're part of the path. It's, it's so important to remember, you know, again, the Christians talked about the way, and it wasn't like you were either on the way or you were off the way. There is only the way. And some days that will mean we are off the path. Some days, some minutes, some hours, some weeks even, fear may well get the better part of us. That's part of the path too. Because every one of those times, what it is, simply put, it's a, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to come back into the boat, come back to the better angels of our nature, to come back to the return to first. So I think this question is very legitimate. What does it look like to wake up, to become part of a bigger reality, armed with courage and gratitude? I'm going to read that again. I think this is really important. What does it look like to wake up, to become part of a bigger reality, armed with courage and gratitude? That's stepping up to a bigger reality, looking at it with courage and gratitude, um, and it's not gratitude, obviously, folks, for the disease. Like, heaven forbid we ever think that. It's gratitude if you're watching online with someone else right now. It's gratitude that starts with the person who's probably right beside you. It's courage. 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 Where your heart lives. It's courage... Taking a minute, taking a breath, the courage of where your heart lives. You know that place. You know that place. It's a place as well that's able to step in to a bigger hope, to a bigger picture as best we can. And again, I'm going to say it a bunch. That bigger picture does not mitigate all the challenges that all of us face. All it is is the bigger picture. And that bigger picture, folks, like when I was thinking of, of you know, a line of, of someone who, who just has this moment of capturing that bigger picture, there's few better stories than an ancient one that goes thousands of years ago, the story of Joseph. I'm going to give you a background, then we're going to put a quote up on the screen here. Story of Joseph was a, was a simple story. Very dramatic story. But a simple plot line. Joseph was a young boy. His brothers were jealous of him. So essentially they sold him away into slavery, told his father that he had died. And God looked after Joseph through all this, through times of being a slave, through times of being a prisoner. And then eventually he gets out and becomes a ruler in ancient Egypt. And then comes a time where his brothers, now who are experiencing famine, travel to see him. 
And when they, when they travel to see him, they're, they're scared. I mean, they, they're desperate for food, but at the same time, they sort of know, to use our language, they had thrown their younger brother under the bus, as we would say. And Joseph has this beautiful line when he, when he comes back and has this audience with his brothers. And the roles here now totally reversed. They were powerful. He was powerless. And now the roles have reversed. They are powerless. He is all powerful. And he makes a choice. He makes a choice of that bigger picture, a choice to wake up, a choice of courage and gratitude as well as forgiveness. And here's that part of the story. So his brothers sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. It's such a beautiful line. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended harm, but God intended it for good, the saving of many lives. So don't be afraid. He reassured them and spoke kindly to them. A beautiful part there, folks, those reminders at times like this to not be afraid, to offer as best we can reassurances to others. And let me tell you, folks, and I say this with a smile, just because you offer reassurance doesn't mean you need to buy it 100% yourself. It's okay to simply offer reassurance because that's what matters. And that reassurance, folks, comes down to this, and I've preached on this a number of times. I think it's so beautiful, and it comes to what one author, one pastor said, is the core of human knowledge. Think back to when you were a little child, and hopefully you had a household where when it was scary, you could crawl into your parents' bed. And any time you did that, you crawled into your bed, And you ask them the question, is it going to be all right? What's the answer they always gave? Of course. It's going to be all right. That's the reassurance we're talking about here. The deepest of human knowledge is that, no, yep, there are going to be challenges. Yep, it's going to be hard. And there's still the ability to reassure one another. So the reminder from Joseph, don't be afraid reassurance, and kindness. Now, what does all of that boil down to? I think it boils down to this word, grace. How do we be graceful? What does grace look like? How does it work? How does it work in the face of this dis-ease? Ann Voskamp has a beautiful way of capturing it. This is so beautiful, folks. If you're watching online, I would ask you to do a screen capture on this. When you are broken enough and tired enough and angry enough that you just can't mold yourself, fix yourself, do better, be better, when you are just done, grace is lavished on you like nothing you've ever experienced. 
The world opens up and humility surrounds you and compassion overtakes you because you realize life is just so hard. And everyone is facing a hard battle. And instead of trying to be kind, you just become kind. And you become grace to others. What a beautiful line that is, and that, that grace, like, and how do we continue to just be on the lookout for it, to, to, to see it in certain places, to see how, how, we can, how we can move that forward. I think about grace that we've seen. Grace that we've seen in places like Kirkland, Washington. Mother and daughter still connected. Those simple words of love. And a second question I want to throw out there to you folks. You look at pictures like that and you think of your life. I think one of the questions is this. Which is, what is the invitation What is the invitation here to become grace to others? What is the invitation here to become grace to others? You know, I I just think that idea of what's the invitation is really important because we have that inmost. We have that part Again, I can't see this strong enough, folks. You have a part that's already in heaven. When we put out questions like, what's the invitation? The beautiful part to it is that before those words even leave my mouth, you already know some really good answers. You just know them. The part of you that's most connected knows them. Think just of a couple I've just seen over the past few days. One was yesterday, uh, a restaurateur called me. And he said, Chuck, you know, we're, we're closing for this weekend because it's the right, right thing to do. We have all this extra food. What do I do with all this food? Do you have some ideas? This is a good restaurant, so I thought you could feed my family. No, I didn't think that. What I did is I said, we have this wonderful group we work with down in Philly, St. Francis Inn. They'd love a weekend's worth of food. So he went down, and then I get a a text message like, amazing people. Not, hey Chuck, look what I did with a selfie around soup. But what amazing people. That was an invitation that person heard. That was an invitation they lived into. That was an invitation that they took to carry forward. Someone else this morning, and again, we have just a skeleton team here, just offered someone a virtual hug. That's somebody who heard an invitation. In terms of folks, some of the ones you folks have, you texted me. 
to continue to show up in every way we can, just to listen, to keep on disinfecting. I like that one. I think, folks, that's what we can continue to, to work at doing, those, those real, real, real basic parts of, of how, do we, how do we do this. <sighs> I'm going to call Sister Leslie at St. Francis Inn. I'm going to ask her if they're, if they're short of anything because people backing out. Maybe we can put together a last-minute team. Find calm in oneself to be a source of strength. Call others. Video visits. Video social visits. Offer others what you can. Folks, and there's, there's many others I could read there, and I leave it up to you to think about that. Ready for this? That's the voice of God. If you're not sure where God is in all of this, you just heard it. That's where God is. When we step into that invitation to the better angels of our nature, we're doing what we can do. It doesn't mean the world isn't going to be hard or over the next few days, weeks, who knows, isn't going to get harder. Like, I wish I could say that. I can't. What I can say is what you just heard was the voice of God. I'd ask us all to take this as a, as a simple, simple takeaway. What's the invitation to become grace to others? Please listen carefully to me, my dear friends. I can tell you exactly what the invitation never will be to. The invitation will never be to fear. Of course we're going to be afraid. God is not issuing that invitation, though. It's going to show up, absolutely. Probably most of us will live most of the next whatever in fear. God understands that and draws alongside us with comfort and care. With the simple words, do not be afraid, brothers and sisters. Do not be afraid. And this other invitation rate. And one of our online viewers from Pittsburgh was actually foreshadowing it, unbeknownst to them, when they, when they sent me a text there. It's that idea, folks, that what we can do, right? So that they've said that coronavirus, they said that it infects, like, if you're, if you're ill, you'll infect around three people. That's an infection rate. Imagine we try to do, and granted, this is a little, little, little cheesy, but I like it because I think it gives us something to do. Imagine we decide here together that we're going to look at an affection rate. And that, that virus isn't going to be a virus where we're going to infect three people. It's going to be something where we love on. I'm going to ask everybody here to commit to at least five people within the next hour. Who can you text? Who can you offer just a little bit of support? Who can you just ask, how are you doing today? There's five people you can do that with. That's our own way of going viral in a way that hopefully is much more healthy much more kind, 
and gets to this. This is a beautiful one. To channel our best selves to service of the most vulnerable. Hmm. To channel our best selves toward the service of the most vulnerable. There's so many other beautiful ones there. That's what we're asked to do, folks. Simple isn't easy. But there's this beautiful line. Beautiful line. Where this person just says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Service looks a very certain way at times like this. I'm asking us out. Oh, let's reach out. Let's connect. Let's remember that right now we are being asked to face it. And we're all being asked, especially folks, to face it with God. Please listen carefully. And to face it together. Amen. To close the service, we're very, very, very fortunate to be joined by my dear friend, Bronwyn Henry. Bronwyn will be doing a... You just need to walk past. It's the secret dog fence there, Bronwyn. Bronwyn will be offering a, a guided meditation here. Marcus will be playing a little bit underneath. And after they're done, I'm just going to come out and do a last blessing. And then we'll close the service with a song. So again, thank you folks for joining us. I would like to offer a loving kindness meditation. This is inspired by the teacher Cheryl Sandberg. She has beautiful work if you want to look it up. I've been using this meditation a lot recently. And when I have uh, been up in the middle of the night like many of you, and I feel fear really tightening a weight in my chest. This is the meditation I do. It's a reminder of how we are all connected, and it's an opportunity to loosen that grip of fear and open to love. And we do need to show up for our neighbors in concrete ways, and... We want to do that from love. So some meditations, you focus in on your breath. Sometimes you'll focus on the sounds around you. Sometimes you'll do maybe a body scan. For this meditation, we're going to focus in on four phrases that I've prepared for this day. But you could use different phrases if you want. Uh, Use what is most comfortable. So if you'd like to, you can uh, put your hand on your heart. Find a comfortable position. And begin by offering phrases of loving kindness to yourself. May I feel peace. May I feel protected. May I feel connected to others. May I live with ease. 
Repeat these phrases in your mind, and if you become distracted, just return to the phrases again. Call to mind someone who has helped you. They've encouraged you and inspired you. Get a feeling of their presence. Someone who brings a smile to you. And offer them the phrases of loving kindness. May you feel peace. May you feel protected. May you feel connected to others. May you live with ease. If you find your mind wandering, don't be discouraged. Just return to the phrases one at a time. Now call to mind someone who is hurting someone who's having a difficult time. Say their name to yourself and offer loving kindness to them. May you feel peace. May you feel protected. May you feel connected to others. May you live with ease. to mind someone you see now and then. You may not know their name, but get a sense of their presence. Might be someone you see walking around town or at a store. You may not know their story, but you know that this person wants to be happy as much as you do. They are vulnerable to pain and loss just as we are. So we wish them well. May you feel peace. May you feel protected. May you feel connected to others. May you live with ease. Now we call to mind a difficult person, someone you have a hard time getting along with, someone whose words or actions are difficult to you. They're hard to bear in some way. Offer the phrases of loving kindness to them. May you feel peace. May you feel protected. May you feel connected to others. May you live with ease. If you pick someone and it's it's hard to send them loving kindness, then go back to sending loving kindness to yourself. Because in this moment, you are the one suffering in need of compassion. May you feel peace. May you feel protected. May you feel connected to others. May you live with ease.
now we offer our well wishes, this force of love and kindness to all beings, all people, all creatures, all those in existence, known and unknown, near and far. May all beings feel peace. May all beings feel protected. May all beings feel connected to others. May all beings live with ease. You can direct this force of loving kindness to all beings, every form of life, everyone in front of you and to either side, all beings behind you, above you, below you. May all beings feel peace, protected, connected to others, and live with ease. So, folks, that closes our service here today. Bronwyn, just thank you so much. We're looking online. You got some thanks online, so thank you. Deeply appreciate it. And let's all keep what Bronwyn said in our hearts. Let's carry it forward. We're going to do a last song here. Obviously, we don't have the band, but you'll get a chance to see the, the band on video here. And I'm just going to offer a blessing Oldest blessing in the Judeo-Christian heritage. Beautiful blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you home and bring you peace. Amen. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 